The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. to another episode of Biopsychosocial. My name is Jordan. I am the world's okayest nurse. Shit, I didn't think of a thing. Um, I'm Kayla, and I'm a therapist who uses TikTok. I say I'm the world's okayest nurse every single time. Okay. We have wine. We have wine. You can't see it if you are on our Patreon. But you can feel it as we start talking. You'll know. Because it's been a few glasses at this point. It's been a few glasses. And I got the wine that was aged in whiskey barrels, so with 16% alcohol, which is pretty sizable for wine. Yeah, it's pretty strong. Mm. Um, We had a lovely charcuterie board, too, so we were being very responsible. So here we are for another- Oh, wait. Should we thank our new uh, patron? Yes, we should. I'd like to thank our newest patron, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian, for supporting us. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. The few, the proud, the the patrons. (laughs) Yes, Brian and Alexis and Jill. Yes, we have three. And we're very lucky to have them. Reminder that for just $1, you can get a shout out from us um, on our Patreon. Mm -hmm. Link is in the bio of our Instagram. Um, I believe it's, we're just biopsychosocial podcast on Patreon. For $3, you can see our lovely faces while we record i mean we are doing our hair and putting on makeup for this now yes we look very nice very if nice. i do say very so very nice i must go for a billowy top when we when we yeah. record i tried a new i watched a tutorial for hooded eyes mm. so i tried a new eyeshadow style i mean they and are I like it they are stunning thanks yes um i got the it cosmetic cc cream I like it. That's that's why my skin is is glowy and perfect. I didn't think you were wearing any makeup. Yeah, yes, it's just your skin, but better. Yes, I used to get it for my mom. She loved it. My mom loves it. Mm-hmm. It's the makeup of moms. Yes, and the and wine moms. and the wine moms that don't have children. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of moms, because the person was a mom that we were going yes. to be discussing um, today. We're going to talk about the controversial story and history of Henrietta Lacks. Henrietta herself was not controversial. Unfortunately, her cells are. This is like fully a medical topic. And I was just like dabbling in a little bit of background research. And I had it was all Greek to me. So Jordan is mostly going to take the lead on this. I am. Oh, I forgot my I got to grab my phone real quick because I have a definition screenshot on my phone. Thanks. All right. All right. So Henrietta Lacks, who was born August 1st, 1920, making her a Leo. We love a Leo. We do love a Leo. Some of my favorite people are Leos. Um, And then she died October 4th, 1951. So the story actually starts the year of her death, unfortunately. Um, Henrietta Lacks, uh, mother of five, uh, woman of color went to John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, with vaginal bleeding. So John Hopkins was actually one of the only hospitals in the area that would see um, see people of color and provide oh, wow. care to people's, people of color. John, John um, Hopkins is a really good 
It is. Hospital, right? It is. It's a research hospital. Yes, and yeah. it's yes, it still is. It's um one of the foremost hospitals. I actually got a lot of information from John Hop- Johns Hopkins um and who Uh, World Health Organization Mm -hmm. as well. So I am reading this. A lot of the information I got from Johns Hopkins um, is going to be a little skewed into their behalf, which I I do recognize as well. Um, So she was reporting uh, vaginal bleeding, abnormal vaginal bleeding that she wasn't expecting. Um, And they found that she had a large cancerous mass or a large tumor on her cervix. So she's... Um, at your cervix. At your cervix. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking of that when I was reading the article. Yeah. At your cervix. At your cervix. Uh, so she was treated with um, radium, which was the best treatment they had for the time, which was not great. Um, so radium radiation therapy was pretty crude in the 1950s. Now it's within, it's incredible. There's basically rocket scientists that figure out they do MRIs and imaging where they figure out where exactly the tumor is located. And they put the beams to where they hit the tumor the best that they can without ruining the tissue on the other. um, So they they do like a beam me up Scotty, basically a beam me up Scotty Um, because the the beam has to enter and it has to exit. So if you have a tumor on your cervix, they try to avoid, you know, your bladder, your colon, you know, they try to do as little damage to the outside as possible because it's inflammation because um, radiation causes inflammation to the surrounding tissue. It can cause like a sunburn on your actual skin. People get like a pretty righteous sunburn or bruise. We had talked about on the episode we did about the radium girls. Yeah. The effects that it had on them. Yeah. If you need radiation to your to your head or to your neck, it, you have to get fluoride treatments to your jaw. If you have to have treatment around where it would hit your thyroid, you can have issues with your thyroid. Mm-hmm. And also if you have colon cancer, it can cause inflammation to the surrounding tissue of your colon or your cervix. Your um, You can have pretty, pretty severe swelling to your mm-hmm. vagina because that's pretty, uh, it's pretty tender and pretty sensitive tissue. Mm-hmm. So you can get a really, really, really bad swelling to the areas. Nobody likes a swollen vagina. Nobody likes a swollen vagina. No, thank you. So she was treated with, with radium, which was basically <clears throat> hit, hit it in the general vicinity of the tumor. This was the 1950s. Um, cancer, cancer research and cancer treatment, I got to say, comes has come leaps and bounds and it's so heavily researched now, mm. even more so that the treatments that we were doing a couple of years ago are different than the treatments that we are doing. That makes sense. That's a really yeah. good thing. There, it the, is really good. There's thing. such an advancement. Yeah, there's some old drugs that still work really, really well, but they're doing a lot more targeted therapies, mm-hmm. which means so chemotherapy targets rapidly dividing cells or cells that are very, very fast moving, like cancer cells are, which I'm going to discuss a little bit more. Uh, whereas targeted therapies target specific receptors on the cancer cells. So they don't target every cell in the body that looks like a cancer cell. There's a lot of cells in our body that look at like cancer oh, cells, right, right, right. hair follicles, GI, mm-hmm. um, GI and our bone marrow. Those all kind of look like cancer cells or immunotherapies, which you've probably seen commercials for Keytruda, um, yes. where it stimulates your body's immune system to fight off the cancer. Oh, I didn't know that's how it worked. Yeah. Yeah, they fight off, um, they have their own list of side effects, mostly uh, inflammation in your body. Mm -hmm. So like colitis or 
cystitis or inflammation in your bladder, inflama- basically inflammatory processes, okay. because when your body's stimulated, it's an infl- inflammatory process. Um, so all these great things have been happening. So this was really in the dawn of the area where we know what cancer is, and we're trying to get rid of it the best that we can. Mm-hmm. And they did the best they could. Unfortunately, Henrietta died eight months post-treatment. So she only lived, so she was diagnosed early on in 1951, and she died in the fall of that year. Um, We do know, so the treatment wasn't too, too great for the time being, and also cancers in younger people, solid tumor, tend to be more aggressive. Younger people, healthier cells, so this cancer is a lot stronger. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And they make more cells quicker, so we're less likely to kill all cells. So okay. if you have some cells left over, they can come back and they can they can uh, right cells yeah. regenerate slower the older you get. That's true. Yep. So that's why you that's why you get your retinol creams and stuff like that when you're yes older because your your skin can't regenerate. Don't listen to me about what to do with your face skin. Do whatever you want. You have nice face skin now. Um, that's why if you talk to an older relative that says, you know, they have cancer and they say, you know, it's slow growing and they're just going to leave it be for right now. Sometimes it is the best thing to do and the treatment can have more side effects mm-hmm. than kind of just letting the cancer be. If you have somebody who's, you know, toward the end of their life, mm-hmm. the cancer is not going to cause an issue until with, with some cancers and there's somewhere it's like still worth it to treat or right. it would cause sometimes location of the tumor, you can be symptomatic or the tumor can start growing through the skin, which is a fungating tumor, which is not fun. Listen Uh, to your oncologist or several oncologists if you want to. Multiple. Yes. Yes. We are healthcare providers. We are not your healthcare providers. This is general knowledge. Uh, So, so there Henrietta was um, with a pretty righteous cervical tumor. It didn't say this explicitly, but with a tumor this large and how quickly she died, I'm guessing this was a metastatic disease, mm-hmm. which means disease that traveled to other parts of her body, um, which is a common thing with cancer. And it's actually one of the things that makes cancer cancer. Also common if you're on the magic school bus to yes. travel from one area of the body to yes. another rapidly. But the magic school bus is much nicer. Uh, So she died of her cancer and Dr. George Gay, who was collecting um, John Hopkins patients that had cervical cancer, he was collecting all of the tissue from their tumor, regardless of uh, socioeconomic status and um, race or heredity. He was doing all of that. So anybody who came in to his care for cancer treatment Mm -hmm. had a sample of their cells taken. Their or they had a biopsy. Cells. So okay. he had a biopsy okay. to confirm diagnoses. So he kept a sample of the bio. He kept a sample of the tumor Which is on everybody. Not something you can really do now without it is, consent. It is not something you can really do now. It was something that you could do then. Okay. It was the standard of practice then. So the cancer cells, all the other cancer cells that he had in his possession grew. They replicated quite a few times and then they died off. Henrietta cells, on the other hand, were prolific which meant they kept rapidly dividing and continuing and continuing and continuing and continuing, which is actually part of the definition of what makes a cancer cell a cancer cell. Mm -hmm. I don't know why exactly her cells replicated like that. I would think it would have something to do with the disease that she had, the advanced disease that she had, because she had a pretty massive tumor and her age. Okay. Yeah. So even when they're outside Mm -hmm. of, so they create an environment where these cells can rapidly regenerate even if it's not inside of a body does that make sense because that's what or is it like in a petri dish it is in a petri dish so the cells okay. are going to do what the cells are going to do but her cells really did it 
Okay. Uh, so I'm actually going to give you the definition of what makes a cancer cell a cancer cell. This is what I needed my phone for. Clinically, a cancer is a large group of malignant disease with some or all of the following characteristics. Abnormal cell proliferation caused by a series of cellular and or genetic alteration or translocation. So something happens with the genes in your cell and they just keep going. Do you remember the cell cycle from science class a little bit? No. They grow. Yeah. So it stops, it grows, it divides, it dies off. Cancer cells just sit in the cogwheel. And that's how, um, that's how some of the targeted therapies, they kill the cancer at different points in the cell cycle. I don't think this had anything to do with cells, but when I was in eighth grade science, when I met Haley, Mm -hmm. Haley was in my group and so was Jess. And this Mm -hmm. other kid, I think his name was Brian. And I think it was, I think we had a, like a, project about like molecules or something like that but for somehow we, we made we made the molecules into south park characters and we shocker. wrote a whole story about I'm shocked. it i'm shocked and then the teacher made us read it to the whole class i mean it probably worked so you probably did like you know the nucleus and the mitochondria the powerhouse of the cell and the cell wall you know it was something portion. we were learning something about bubbles i just remember it had to do with bubbles <laughs> i don't know just keep going it doesn't matter anyway back to cells um, so cells have the lack of the, um, so the cancer cells have lack of controlled growth and cell division, which means they just keep clustering and get really big and they kind of look like shitty off terrible things. Um, an invasion of tissue that are near the cell and they have the ability to spread to distant sites. So metastatic disease is defined by, so if you had cancer in your boob, they, f- and the cancer travels into your lung, they would say, okay, so we found a breast tissue in your lung. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like how the pain in my ass could be coming from right here next to me. <laughs> Just kidding. You're not a pain in the ass. No, I've been talking about science for like 15 minutes <laughs> and you're hanging in quite good. And ability to evolve, to involve any tissue in the body and invade natural cell death. So the cells grow, they divide, they die. Her cells did not die. Okay. Yeah. Science. All right. So they actually doubled every 12 to 24 hours, which is pretty, which is pretty fucking serious. Um, so basically they had this endless pile of cells because they would take cells off and then they would regenerate and then they would grow themselves again. Holy shit. It sounds like a goosebump story. It does sound like a goosebump story. Science always wins. So they called the cells Kela cells. The first two letters of her first name and the first two letters of her last name. H-E-L-A. I think, and it's interesting. Well, the first thing it made me think of without realizing it was just her name. Hela is another name for the Norse goddess of the underworld. Hell. Oh, it's Hela or Hela. And she's not, I mean, she's not like a bad entity. Mm-hmm. She's just because in ancient, in ancient religions, there was always somebody presiding over the underworld. And yeah. that, the underworld was the place you go if you just die a natural death. And um, there was no like negative connotation or no. positive connotation necessarily. No. It was just a person. Just like Hades wasn't necessarily a bad dude, right. but you know, Disney. Well, yeah. It, well, it was a Christian add in to have hell be a bad place. But yes. the ancient people didn't feel that way about no, the underworld. No, it just was a just a place you went after you died. Just a place you went after you died. Hi. Okay. So we got a hold of these cells and Henrietta Lacks died soon thereafter. But damn it, we have these cells. And she, yeah, again, she didn't know that her, the cells were taken from her. Neither did her family. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. I guess um, did Dr. We, did we mention yet that Henrietta was a black woman? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, person of color. <laughs> it was in my opener. Um, so even though Dr. Gay said over her dying body, which I thought was a little much, that uh, your cells are going to help a lot of people. 
So she died. Her cells lived on, again, without her permission. And these cells were used in a fuck ton of studies. Yeah, that was crazy reading all of those. Yeah. Um, polio vaccine. So Jonas Salk used him in his research. Various other, you know, just to how uh, various toxins and drugs and hormones and viruses affect cancer cells. Uh, Johns Hopkins didn't gatekeep these cells too too much. If somebody asked for some of these cells, they gave it to them. Now, that, I'm hoping you can help me understand this because sure. this is where I lost. Mm-hmm. I just did not understand at this part. So the cells that they collected from Henrietta were cancer cells, correct? Yeah. So how are cancer cells beneficial in learning about other communic- in communicable diseases like polio or um, AIDS, HIV, which they also used her. Well, I don't know if it was yeah, they did for HIV, it. yeah, okay. and also HPV. Yeah. They're still human cells. Okay. Yeah, they're human cells that have mutated, but it'll still show how the diseases affect human cells. So outside of the body, they're not necessarily. They're still cancer cells. Okay. They're still cancer cells, but they still are helpful. They still, you know, they're still beneficial to use. Okay. And it's also beneficial because it's an endless supply of cells. Yeah, I guess I guess what's what's confusing to me is like I think of cancer cells as like evil when it's really just like you said before, it's just a rapid it's just a rapidly dividing cell. Right, which is terrible when it's in your body. Yeah, when but it's outside of the body. It's, it's not, not hurting your body. Right. Yeah, it's not hurting anybody right now. It's just rapidly regenerating. Use, so. Yeah, it's rapidly regenerating and it has no contact inhibition. And it'll, it'll What did they call them? Like an immortal cell line or Pro- something? Prolific cells. That's like very metal. It is very metal. This whole thing is very, very metal. Yeah, because I read that they use these immortal cell lines in mm-hmm. research on parvovirus and canine. Oh, what is it called? Distemper, mm-hmm. which parvovirus, if you have a kitten or a puppy, you need to take it to the vet immediately to check, get it checked out because parvovirus is deadly to yeah, kittens and puppies and they're yep. very susceptible, especially if they come from a puppy mill or a puppy a pet store. Adopt on shop. Adopt on shop. We don't like that. Uh, so, and in recent years, it was part of developing the COVID-19 vaccine. So they're still using these damn cells. So yeah, John ha- Johns Hopkins did offer them freely. But they didn't have consent to take these cells from Henrietta. They Mm -hmm. did not have consent to take these cells from Henrietta, which was a standard of the time. We talked about in our last video how ethics ethics have really changed in recent years. Informed consent. This is part of your body that they're taking. So Johns Hopkins has acknowledged their wrongdoing. They're like, we shouldn't have done this. So, So their way... So what they're doing now is they have a symposium, they have a Henrietta Lack symposium every year. Oh, cool. They talk about her life. Mm-hmm. They talk about the benefits of the HeLa cells. They actually call her one of the most important women in medicine, mm-hmm. which I have a hard time with because she didn't ask to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That kind of bothers that I like I'm having a like I'm having a moral scruple with this because I know how beneficial these cells are, the writings on the wall. The COVID-19 vaccine, the polio vaccine, those are two of the biggest vaccines of our, of our time, of, of recent history. Those were huge, and they saved so many lives. I think it and, dovetails nicely into our topic of the last episode, yeah. in which we kind of discussed how research that is unethical still nets a, can net a positive good. And that doesn't right. mean it's okay to do the research mm-hmm. or that we, we or anybody else should be right. condoning it or conducting it, but... Some of these unethical experiment, experiments or trials or whatever have, have netted a positive good 
overall. And I think it was a little bit more clear cut with the twins, with the triplets episode, because it didn't really garner that that research didn't garner any, any groundbreaking information that was right. helpful. So it was a little bit more cut and dry to say this was wrong and we shouldn't have done it. This is a little bit harder because so these cells are helpful. These cells were beneficial to a lot of experiments. Do we continue to use them? Right. And I know Henrietta's, you know, there was some controversy back and forth about Henrietta's family. I know some of her family is actually involved in the symposium. Okay. So they are kind of part of it. And they are talking about, first of all, that they did something wrong, that we, you know, that this is wrong. Had we right. be in the same situation again, we shouldn't do this. Right. Being accountable. Right. Being accountable for it. And odds are a majority of people have asked, you know, can we, you know, if somebody is asked, can we use yourselves? Can you be part of, you know, a research group? People that are chronically ill are more likely to say like, yeah, sure. You know, if somebody else doesn't have to go through right. it. It's great. So it is, she more than, you know, she, she, maybe she would have said yes, right. but we don't know that. She mm-hmm. wasn't, we don't know that she wasn't asked. And we can't make the assumption. Right. And so it's sort of, uh, it's great that they're holding her up as this, you know, as such an influential woman in, woman in medicine, but she didn't ask to be an influential woman mm-hmm. in medicine. That wasn't her goal. She was trying to live. And unfortunately, and unfortunately, due to the limitations of the time and the disease that she had, she didn't. Well, and also due to the fact that, I mean, had treatment been available to her outside of Johns mm-hmm. Hopkins, perhaps somebody else would have had a better treatment for her. Right. But since people of color were not treated, like exactly. you said, uh, outside of certain hospitals, they died probably at higher rates. Right. And she was already pretty far gone at this point. She had a pretty sizable you know, tumor and in GYN cancer still at later stages are really hard to cure. And a lot of people, you know, in cancer research, we're seeing you know, a decent amount on how to cure people, but we're seeing even more on how to have people live well and live longer with the disease. So we don't, you know, so we don't necessarily have people living with a cured disease. We have people living with metastatic illness for years and years and years, Mm -hmm. which is great. Right. You know, it's not perfect, but it's great. So, you know, cancer is being treated more as a chronic illness, like we're seeing HIV as being treated as. Mm-hmm. And she's been part of this. And also she's been part of, um, her cells have been part of preventative measures. So HPV, human papillomavirus, which is linked to cervical cancer, and is one of the few, if not only, uh, Gardasil shot. So you vaccine, get vaccinated. Yeah, vaccinated it. again to, to prevent cervical cancer, um, which is recommended for both young men and both women, um, which has come out in the most recent, I think with, within our lifetimes, most recent years. I think when we were teenagers, we were teenagers it, it became yeah. like a standard thing to do. Even I think it was like iffy. And then my brother's 10 years younger than me. So it was a standard when he was younger. I didn't know he was that much younger. He's 11. Yeah. He's 11. He's 11? Uh, no. <laughs> no, he's 20. No, he's 20. I'm 31. So he's 11 years younger than me. Uh, so it was a standard. It's interesting, actually. A lot of um, it, it, having a sibling that much younger than you, they're really in another generation. Um, I had chicken pox. So did you. Mm-hmm. Um, the chicken pox vaccine came out between my birth and his birth. So he never had the chicken pox, which means he'll never get shingles. And shingles is awful. And we could potentially get the shingles. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if the, um, the thanks, mom and dad. Thanks, mom. Do you remember back then the standard was to like have you go play with a kid who had chicken pox mm-hmm. so that you got it and then you had it was essentially like a vaccine, like an old fashioned vaccine. Yeah, because it now, wasn't a vaccine. Now, now we're susceptible is. to to, to, to shingles, which is freaking Ro- yeah, awful. it's grown up chicken pox and it's painful and it's it's re- it feels like somebody 
basically, because I've had a lot of patients with shingles, because it comes out when you're sick, mm-hmm. or when you have a compromised immune system. So you can actually get chickenpox from somebody who's had shingles. So somebody with shingles can give a baby oh. who's never had yeah, chickenpox shingles. But I mean, luckily, who's never, who's never had chickenpox chickenpox. Luckily, there's a shingles vaccine. There is a shingles vaccine. It's a brutal vaccine. Get it? If there's any vaccine, if I had to say, if you could only get one vaccine, get the shingles vaccine. Um, because I've heard shingles described as it's like somebody struck a match, lit, and shoved it down your shirt. Yeah. It follows, um, it's actually interesting. It follows a nerve line. Oh, so it goes over your back and go onto your head. Yeah. And it comes out in times of stress when you or when your body is compromised and already sick. So you already feel like shit and shingles is like, fuck you. I think one of my professors got it when she was going through cancer treatment. A lot of and it's a a nightmare um for people that if somebody in the clinic, you know, if you have a, if you have somebody, if you're in a cancer clinic and somebody comes in with shingles, it's a nightmare because yeah. you have people that are compromised mm-hmm. and aren't going to be able to fight off the chicken pox with their vaccine, with their vaccine. I have pock marks. I you have pock marks all over mm-hmm. my face and people, I don't notice them because I'm, I had the chicken pox when I was probably in like first grade and mm-hmm. I am 30, I'm going to be 33 now. So I don't notice them anymore. People are always like, what is that on your face? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about my nose. I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking But I have these like um, indents in my face from where the chicken pox fell off because for those of you who've never experienced chicken pox, if you're young. Yeah. It was just like a bubble in your skin. And yeah. if you flicked it off, you were flicking off your skin. Yeah, so, so you have, you like have a scar. Yep. But um, anyways, back to... I was going to talk more about my chicken pox. Oh, talk about your chicken pox. I was four. I got it from daycare. Not on purpose, but I was four when I got chicken pox. And I remember my grandmother, who I loved, wa- you know, watching me when I had the chicken pox. And I had a cat nightgown on. And she pulled the back of my shirt open and squirted calamine lotion down my back and stuck my pajama shirt to my back. Mm-hmm. And it was the worst feeling ever. It was like the grossest feeling ever. And it was what she was supposed to do. You're supposed to, you know, cover yeah. with calamine lotion. So I would stop itching. I remember um, a lot of oatmeal baths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I went in an oatmeal bath too. But it was a rotten disease. But now kids don't get it anymore. Because mm-hmm. you get the chicken pox vaccine at one year old. Like my your niece and nephew will never get it. My niece will never get it too. Yes. Which is great. And they won't get shingles. Which Sometimes sucks. it's fun saying that I have pock marks. Like I'm from the um, medieval. From the, from the medieval <laughs> times. Yeah, a pox true. upon your family. A pox upon your family. Yeah, it's fun to say. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I had chicken pox. And then kids don't. And I just said, oh, um, all the things that HeLa cells were used for. Um I said about the research between HPV and cervical cancer, the HPV and polio vaccine, HIV and AIDS, COVID vaccine, and also in vitro fertilization. Oh, yeah. They, so they think, yeah, which is, you know, yeah, because they're cervical cells. So, so she has saved stuff. lives and also created, created lives. lives. Yeah. And in IVF has been a, a lifeline for, you know, people that are able to use it and that have the access to it that aren't able to create a family. I don't want to say naturally that. Or traditional, well, I guess naturally is without assistance. Without assistance, yeah, which is which is fantastic, which is which is wonderful. But it kind of like, and it's it's been a toughie for me because I love science. I love science, and I love how cool it is that these cells just keep going and going and going. And I think it's amazing that they can be used and that they're freely used. And it's killing me that they got them without her permission. It's such a it's a toughie. 
Yeah, I think, well, maybe not so similar. I was going to say, it's kind of like how we're going to be finding out in the coming years, the effects of long COVID on people who have just so happened to have and sur- survived it. Yeah, feels weird to say that. But yeah, it's that's true. a lot of people. Yep. I mean, I, I suppose people could voluntarily submit that information. But. Sure. And I think we had more of that with COVID because I was one of the first not like one, I was the second person to get the vaccine, but I was one of the first batch of people to get the yeah. vaccine. So were you, because mm-hmm. we're both health, you know, we both work in healthcare. Uh, so I I signed up to answer the questionnaires. Me too. Yeah. yeah. So did you, where we said, you know, how, you know, when did we get the vaccine? Have we gotten COVID just so they can figure out how long that the vaccine lasts? Like I was happy to do that. Mm-hmm. So were you. It's easy. It's for those of you who don't know, if you haven't gotten the vaccine yet, or if you've recently got the vaccine, there's like a, I don't even remember what it's called the portal the government portal where every so often they'll text you a link and you go to the link and you take a survey that it takes like five seconds about your symptoms and have you caught covid and are you you pregnant yeah it was like really basic stuff which is great i mean like i said i was happy to do i was also in it was i think i was in a study ish or i guess it is a study um, healthcare workers asymptomatically walking around with COVID. They wanted to swab a ton of healthcare workers to okay. see if um, they had COVID or were walking around with COVID. And I was, again, happy to do it. Um, so, but that's like different than the effects of long COVID, just because with illnesses, we don't know the, we don't know the long-term side effects of COVID. We know the longer term after being acutely ill, we know the damage it does to your heart. Right. To we your can lungs. talk about similar illnesses as well. But. Right. Right. And we know how it's affected people that have recovered from it. They've really, it really does a number on, really does a number on your body, but the long term, we're not going to learn from, we're not going to learn for a really long time. But again, we said it was fine. We, we said it was okay. And I think, I think kind of just the, the overall climate of healthcare was the the patients were almost I don't the patients were almost property at that time. You never mm. thought of do we have to consent these people? No, they're under our care, so we get to jurisdict what they do. In recent years, patient centered care or client centered care in your case has become more of a standard of care and more of a. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god! I yeah. When I'm talking to people in other fields, so say like if I'm talking to somebody who works at the camp I used to work at and they mm-hmm. start talking about a child that they're working with and they tell me the name of the child. I'm like, Oh my God, are you supposed to tell me? That? Are you supposed mm-hmm. to say that? I'm like, I freak out about those sort of things like doing, you know, you're not supposed to give me somebody's name, but the, I mean that that's not a HIPAA area no, because it's just, nor is it a FERPA area because it's not school. But yeah, I mean, we're all about client consent and client privacy and yep. things like that nowadays. We always say we're going to get consent because consent is sexy. Consent is sexy. Consent is sexy. So it is. It's like patient-centered care. And patients, I got to say, people that are ill have way more access to information now, which is a double-edged sword because they have way more access to information and they have way more access to shitty information. I always tell my clients, do not consult Dr. Google. No, Dr. Dr. Google Google did not go to school. (laughs) No, 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 no. And I get it if you want to be like a wise, you know, if you want to learn about your disease or the medications that you're going to give... Great, great. Grain of salt. Grain of salt. And also consult your healthcare provider and they can give you some resources that are research-based and accredited and trustworthy. For what it's worth, if you don't know already, um, learning how to read a research paper could be really beneficial. So if you're ever in a position where um, an experimental cure treatment is suggested to you, you can request the research and you can read it. 
one of my professors, Rick, always would tell us a story because he taught us research methods. So that's Mm -hmm. where we learned how to read and write research. He would tell us about an experimental treatment that it was suggested to him, I think by, it was like an eye treatment for his Mm -hmm. eyes. And he said he read the research paper and that there was not enough evidence to say that it was effective. So he declined it. But if he didn't know how to read that information and and, and interpret that information, then he wouldn't have been able to make that choice. He would have just said, okay, sure. If you think that's good. Which is fair. I mean, you're all, you're talking to someone who has a lot more experience than you do. Right. But there's nothing wrong with wanting to gather the information and make or, it, make or getting a right second now. opinion yes. or um, because research consents are like books mm. are really, really thick. And it's tough to, you know, it's like the terms of con- terms and conditions that you have to, you know, read or you're supposed to read that nobody reads. Uh, not admissible in court. No. So, so it's like, so it's a lot of information to weed through mm-hmm. and especially if you're part of an experimental treatment. And if you are not like learned or have a strong healthcare literacy or even like a scientific literacy, which a lot of people, a lot of people don't, and it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just something that's not taught. It should be. Right. I mean, it's, we all have our areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't really know anything about computers. I wouldn't no. try. No. Someone who knows really well and who's well-versed in computers wouldn't try to be a therapist, I hope. <laughs> or maybe they wouldn't. It they wouldn't would go probably so good. would. It wouldn't go so good, but that's okay. Uh, so, yeah. So it's kind of, it's, so it's, it's, so it's some complicated. So it's some complicated ass shit. Yeah. So I don't know how I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know. If, what do you think? Because I'm like a little too close to this. What do I think about what? Using her cells now. I mean, I think that, well, I think that if the family were to step in and say, we don't want you to use this anymore, they stop, then they should stop. Yeah. But so long as the family is okay with that, Mm -hmm. then they should continue because the the net positive, the net positive and acknowledging of the wrongdoing, I think is really important. It's like, okay, this is the human that we got these from. Mm -hmm. We would not have been able to get this without this human being. She didn't consent to it. And we're really effing sorry. It was... It was a product of the time. If this happened now and they were using cells without permission, you know, F off. I don't I don't feel very attached to my cells. I think if someone took mm, them and oh, I didn't course. know, I wouldn't really care. But I'm also not Henrietta Lacks, so I can't right. really make that call. Feel, it could feel quite invasive. It could feel like... And the fact that they were taken without permission, I think, is what's really bugging me. I think I would want to know what's going, going on just because I think it's cool. Like, mm. I when I had my tonsils taken out... Mm-hmm. My doctor told me that they were so heavily compacted with scar tissue that that was that it saved my life. So I had um, two peritonsillar abscess, abscesses, and one of them swelled to half the size of my throat. And the only reason the other one didn't swell just as big is because it, there was so much scar tissue from it swelling and going back down so many times over the years. Yeah, because you had so um, So he said he had, was telling me that it, it was the reason I didn't essentially suffocate from them both swelling at the same time. But like, if they had taken my tonsils and like, taken them apart and researched them, I would want to know just because I think that's interesting. It is you know interesting. I mean? It's kind of it's so cool how they can, how they can do so- this is, the stuff they can do is really, really, really incredible. Mm-hmm. And in my work, I've been a nurse for I've been a nurse for a decent amount of years. And I've worked in healthcare all of my adult life. It never is lost on me. And how cool this shit is. It is really cool. Every time I come out of the hospital, I'm like, because I went, the last time I was in, so that, in the hospital, it's one of my favorite memes was like, your rapper name was Lil plus the last, plus the reason you were last in the hospital. So mine would be Lil Kidney. <laughs> the last time I was in the hospital was for yes. a kidney infection. Yes. 
And I, I remember leaving and this happens every time I'm in the hospital, which is rare thinking like, holy crap, if this were the 1800s, I'd be dead. <laughs> like The advancements that we have are really amazing. It's true. It's so, it's so true. It's, it's amazing. And, uh, and what the body does and how we know how acutely the body does. Like when I texted you earlier this week about tumor lysis syndrome and you almost puked. Uh-huh. So tumor lysis syndrome is when, <clears throat> all right, you have a really like bulky, rotten cancer disease. So they treat it. And the tumor is like, fuck you, and busts apart. Mm-hmm. You can also have inflammation when cancer, you know, your cancer can feel like worse if you have a tumor when you get treatment because like the cancer gets all inflamed and pissed off. So the tumor can like break apart and it spits out uric acid and phosphorus and potassium into your bloodstream, which can really fucking sepsis? kill you. Yeah. No, not sepsis. Sepsis is an infection. Sepsis is lactic acid. So it busts this crap out. So if you have gout, you have an excess of uric acid in your system too. Like Henry VIII had the big ass toe from mm-hmm. all the shitty food. So what they do is they give you gout medication before they give you the treatment. So oh. the gout medication will eat up all the uric acid cells. Uh-huh. And um, then you don't have uric acid in your blood. Mm-hmm. And then if we know that people have those really bulky, really rotten diseases, we check their blood pretty often. And then you, you hydrate people so they... So they flush out all that phosphorus and, and the potassium, but in, and their calcium drops down too because it eats up all, because it eats up all the pho- the phosphorus eats up all the calcium and then you can break something, but that sucks. What do you do for the disease of like like getting rid of a person that's a tumor for you? I recommend d- d- cut that shit off. If they're okay. a tumor for you, no thank you. <laughs> There's nothing I can squirt at. Can I squirt sulfuric acid at them? I mean, you could, right? But I mean, you could squirt on the hook. You'd catch a charge for murder, probably. I mean, you could squirt. Don't, do that. don't squirt chemo at people. That's not nice. I would just say, your human cancer, leave. Yes, you leave them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can you're go be cancerous to be a- somewhere else. But anyways, you're choosing to be around them. This week, I'm going to take a cue from my favorite Welsh twins uh-huh. and ask you uh-huh. what What have you been loving lately? What have I been loving lately? Oh my God. So I was thinking about like, I went to church today and we were talking about like little pleasures that we do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what's something like decadent that I, that I do for myself. So if I do like a really beastly run, Mm -hmm. like where if I'm training for a race or, you know, I've had a really long week or I just need some loving, I put like a beer or a cocktail in a can or a little bottle of champagne on my deck. Uh huh. And then I go for a run and then I come back and this drink is on my deck, even though I am the one that put it there. Uh huh. And then I went, Oh my goodness. And then I get to enjoy it and walk back into my house like a little queen. So I have been, so that's like one of the decadence that I do for myself. What have I been loving? I've been watching, I've been listening to a lot of We Can Do Hard Things. I've been listening to a lot of Glennon Doyle's podcasts. Oh, I started listening to Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, and I'm really liking that. I just listened to the episode that that Dr. Brene Brown was on as well. Oh my God, I loved that one. I love that. So what have you been loving lately? I have been loving Atlas of the Heart. Uh I would say in a similar vein to you, one of my nightly treats, because I I feel like I have to have I'm really bad with snacking at night. So what I do is I just have a, a cup of hot chocolate Ooh. Um, like a little while before I go to bed. And it, it's, it kind of satisfies that sweet tooth and it also makes me a little sleepy. Mm-hmm. So that's just my, my nightly treat for myself. That's what I've been loving lately. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. 
I think Glennon, I, of course, I'm way behind on the episodes and Glennon was talking about how at holidays, like she tries to have something decadent. So she always carries a cup of hot tea at mm-hmm. holiday gatherings. So kind of feeling that warmth. Yeah. So we've met like that hot cold because mm-hmm. it feels really cozy and really comfortable. My secret to sleeping, mm-hmm. um, if you can't sleep is, well, first of all, I've also been loving my, my mom got me a weighted blanket and that stimulates Ooh. melatonin production a little mm-hmm. bit. I don't, it's not like, it's kind of a gimmicky thing, but we also have cats too. Those are uh, so the, the, um, weighted blanket, but, um, hot milk. Ooh. Like if you warm up a glass of milk, if you can't sleep, try warming up a glass of milk and just to have a small glass of milk and see if it helps. Yeah. With a little, you know, a little spicy in it. That'd be nice. Could, yeah. Yeah. I also like, hot, I also like hot cocoa with a dollop of fluff. Oh it. my God. Yes. That's really good. Yeah. Even like not marshmallow fluff. So it kind of like melts. It melts onto. Yes. And then you get to like scoop it up after it's all melty. You just suck that right up. That's yes. delicious. Yeah. It's good. Also, if you're, if you're a person that enjoys a little, little bit of alcohol once in a while, uh, Di Serono is really good. Disarone, no ice. That's an almond liqueur that's really good. And like a dark hot chocolate. Mm, yeah, that sounds good. That's like an really Irish nice. Irish hot. Wait, what is no, it? No, Irish coffee's um, Irish coffee. Irish I like Irish coffee too. I'll like make a traditional one too. That's Irish whiskey, coffee, and then hand whipped cream. That's really good Whip, cool whip, cool whip. I don't like cool whip. It's plastic. It's good when it's frozen. It comes frozen. Yeah, it's good when it's frozen. It's, it's not like actually it. dairy, which uh, cool whip. Okay. Um, (laughs) So now that we've given you all kinds of ideas on how to be kinder to yourself, why don't you go forth and do that? So you can find us now, like we said before, on Patreon. Mm $1, $3. You can support us if you like what we do. You can also rate and review our show if you want. It helps us to be a little bit more visible if you like what you hear. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, which we don't really use anymore at BiopsychPod or on Facebook at BiopsychoSocial, a podcast. A podcast. Um, but that's it for today. We hope you like, hope you liked it. How's um, the wine? And, <laughs> and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.